reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, not Srimad Bhagavatam, reading from Chaitanya Bhagavat. Um, Anchi Leela 3, text 505. Jaya Jaya Sri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Sunivipa Bhagavate Evai Kaniba Bhakti Vina Ara Kichu Muke Na Aniba. Listen, O other than devotional service. Omegana Timarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Taksur Unmalitam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. Sri Chaitanya Mano Vishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Sapadantikam Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Vayevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasadi Gaur Bhaktavrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So a little personal, I'm going to tell you, I'm kind of a little bit late and I wasn't aware of the time. And what happened is, is I got a message this morning where it described that the Home Ministry of India will start issuing e-tourist visas. It's not the tourist visa I have, but e-tourist visas. And they're debating whether they should give it to vaccinated people only. They'll do it. Anyway, they have some idea. And it, and I just so much wanted to go to Govardhan that I thought I was going to like bribe Krishna or something, really. So when I started to do my deity worship to Govardhan Hill, I said, okay, every day now I'm going to chant this prayer. And Krishna is going to have to let me in. Nijapati bhuja danda chatra bhavam papadya pratihatamare driston danda devendra garva atula patula shaila shreni bhupapriyame Nijanigatani Vasam Dehi Govardhan begging for, for residents. He, he'll, he'll have to let me in if I chant this prayer. Um, so, and anyway, um, anyway, that was my thoughts. So, and, and then I, you know, I put my dandavat pranams and begging him, I'll, I'll beg, I'll do this, I'll give up this, I'll surrender to this, I'll do this. I promise the rest of my life, just let me into Govardhan. I just want to go to Govardhan. Um, you know, so I do have faith in God. I don't know what the level of my prayer is, but. Uh, yeah, even if just for Kartik initially. And the reason they're doing it is because COVID has gone down in India, especially in Uttar Pradesh. It's just practically zero. It's, it's ridiculously low. There's 220 million people in Uttar Pradesh. There's like 70 cases a day. And even if they're not reporting it exactly, they were reporting it when it was, you know, 200,000 cases a day. So it, it's, it's, it's safer than America or Israel or Iceland or UK. So anyway, that's my prayer. Now in, in this verse, 
there's, um, again, we're following what Chaitanya, his life and teachings. And his life is his teachings. And uh, this, I'm getting like a little draft. They open that door. Oh, oh the fan. Yeah. Oh. Yes, we have different constitutions. <laughs> so his life and teachings. And, and, and his life is his teachings, and his teachings is his life. That's our philosophy. That if you want to destroy nashta, destroy preeshu, almost a badreshu, that which is inauspicious, that which is anartha. Anartha simply means no value. That which has no value to developing universal love in your heart, to developing bhakti in your heart. If you want to develop that nityam bhagavata sevya. Nityam means eternally, but it also means every single day. Right, there's Namitika Dharma and there's Nitya Dharma. Namitika Dharma is, okay, you, you, you have a, a duty as a wife, but then when you get older, you know, your husband may take sanya. Then you have a duty as a wife anymore. <laughs> or you have a duty as a husband or whatever it is. Uh, or, uh, there's so many duties that are important, but they're naimitika. They're temporary duties. Even a, there's a duty as a woman, there's a duty as a man. But in your next life, the man can be a woman, the woman can be a man. And even in this life, you can change. So the duties change. They may be important if they change. That's called, but nitya means two things. It means every day and it means always. So the nitya dharma is to serve God. That's your duty every day in every circumstance, whether you're doing it or not, it's your dharma. And um, just like same thing in Kartik, one thing I, I want to go to Kartik, I want to be in Govardhan. I did that for about, I can't imagine how many years. I mean, I was in Vrindavan, but then Govardhan maybe for 20, 25 years, every go, uh, Kartik. And I do Niyama Seva. Niyama means the same thing. It means boring life. Boring life in spiritual life is ecstatic life. Because <laughs> boring life means like, I remember Javi Prabhu, my godbrother, asked Jayad Waitamarj, what's your secret? He says, I do the same thing every day. <laughs> boring life. I love boring life. I love waking up at the same time. I like chanting at the same time. And so, especially in Kartik, because it's described traditionally, that's what Chaturmasya meant. There's four months of the rainy season. Of course, in India, it means there's agrarian economy. There's a rainy season. You can't travel. You can't work. Farmers can't work during the rainy season. You know, or something like that. You know, the monsoon season. Things, and and, and therefore people would, you know, that would be the time for spiritual life. That's why in the the. Um, Chaitanya, uh, in, in uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, when would all the devotees visit Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? During the four months of the Chaturmasya. It's the four months of the rainy season. They would kind of go at the beginning and then they would stay. And, and it's so nice when things are pious, things are kind of regulated. Like the, the rains would come at night, <laughs> you know, and, so this niyama seva, niyama seva, every day, nashtapreshu, nityam bhagavata seva. So nashtapreshu, badreshu, nityam bhagavata seva. It says you want to destroy the things in your heart that are unwanted, inauspicious, nityam bhagavata seva. Nitya, every single day, bhagavata seva. You serve bhagavata. 
And Prabhupada's analysis, which comes from the commentaries, is it means the person and the book, because they're the same. Because the book is it, it, the, the book is about the person Bhagavat, and the and the person Bhagavat speaks about the book Bhagavat. That's what Sadhu Sangha is. Doesn't mean getting together with a group of devotees and taking pizza in the MBT. <laughs> That's not sadhu sangha. It's not an association with the bodhis. It means when you really get together and machita, matkata, prana, bodhiyantas parasparam. When machita, my heart, my consciousness, chitta, machita, matkata, my goal, prana, my life, machita, matkata, prana, Bodhiantas parasparam, enlightening one another, discussing on this level of Krishna consciousness. That's Sadhu Sangha. I say, Leela and Jamuna, they came back from Radhastami festival at Bhakti Bandha. Kirtan, Kita. That's Sadhu Sangha. Nityam Bhagavata Seva. But it's so. Um, so the, the point I was making here, but I went off on something else and I hope it was interesting, it was kind of connected, is that the person's about the book and the book is about the person. And it's also that way. It, it's, it's a person speaks the Bhagavad and what he speaks, they live. And, and, and how they live, you also learn the Bhagavad. Actually, I feel sometimes kind of grateful that I grew up in India where I actually saw the, the culture embodied. I saw the culture embodied in people. And you know, the main aspect of Dharma is honesty. Because when you're honest, you can correct your life by just vowing something. Your whole life just changes by your word. And when I when I when I was first working with the Gurukul and the first principal was Dr. Om Kanaz Sharma, and he had something where his wife died when he was young, his son left home, and he made a vow. Until my no, what happened is uh, I told this story many times, but it's not the story. It's what the culture of those kind of people are. And when you're with them, what you see in their life and how it inspires you that this is the way you live. I met real honest people. I, I, I met people that would rather die than lie. I've met those people. I've seen those people. And it's so rare to see those people today in the world of, of the world of, Fake news, disingenuous, disingenuousness, and rationalization. <laughs> but you actually see. So I told that story, and it, how inspiring it was is that I met him 40 or 50 years after that. What happened is he was the head of a joint family, the oldest brother. His younger brother was a rascal. His oldest son got into conflict with his younger brother. He had to side, side with his younger brother out of the protocol of the family. His son became so upset that he left home. Didn't come back after a year and his wife died of a heartbreak. And he just vowed, I will never come home until my son comes home. I will, I will never again eat any grains. I will never again eat any sugar. I will never eat any spices. I never will eat any oil or ghee or condiments or... And there's only three things. He, he, there's only four things he ever ate in his life. Milk, yogurt, boiled sabji, and fruit. Those are the only things he ever ate in, in his life. I remember I visited him late into his 90s. He wanted to live to 100. And he, he was also a yogi. He fell down, broke his hip, and then he couldn't exercise, and then everything went from there. But the point is, I met him so many years later, and he vowed. So impressive, he vowed. I went, you know, 
the whole Mahabharata, everything's integrity. Bhishma, great vow, uh, Krishna's father, Vasudev, he promises Kamsa, and Kamsa said, oh, he gave his word. Gave his word to give each son. <laughs> and Prabhupada in the purport said, there is nothing too difficult for a man of dharma in the execution of his duty. People be so dutiful, what they would do, what they would vow. In wedding, they vow to death do us part. And then they suffer, but they would keep it. <laughs> Even if they suffered, to death do us part. It was in there, it's called, it's called a samskar. It's a, a, a samskar in terms of a good impression that I abhor lying. I love truth. So here we see in the life of Lord Chaitanya, we're watching it, how he lives, and, and he, he's, he meets this, I don't have time to look at it, I'll just go back quickly. Um, is this great scholar, Devananda Pandit. And he was a very, he didn't have faith in Lord Chaitanya. And he had faith, he didn't understand. And that was a point, I'm not gonna make it again. Faith is the precursor of knowledge. Knowledge takes effort. And if you don't trust the source, you don't make the effort. <laughs> and that's why recently I was discussing things, this, this culture of faith. I, there was a nice presentation yesterday saw by Sundar Gopal, Simon Haas, defending the teachings of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. But the reason he's defending, not to win an argument, but to, to defend the, the tradition. Because once, the point is, is, is when you don't have faith, there's a problem. What's the problem? You are the authority. You're limited to your own condition frame of reference and you can never move beyond that. And, and therefore you can never really be enlightened. So there's a whole culture of, of maintaining that mechanism <laughs> that allows you to actually go beyond the conditioned view of which you see the world ba based on your your, your relationship with your parents and based on your previous samskars and based on your karma. And, and, and to get beyond that bubble of, of vision, of illusion, where you, where, so this mechanism of, so he didn't have faith, he couldn't understand. And then somehow, I, I didn't get to that part, but he, he he somehow realized this at this point. Oh, yes, 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 okay. By the influence of Vikrasha Pandit, because he had the Dharma, he had the culture of respect to guests, respect to sadhus. He wasn't even having to, Mahatsevam, Dwaram, Ahurvamukta, the service to the Mahat, the great souls opened the door to liberation. And Prabhupada even says, personalist and impersonalist in the fifth canto people who are dharmic, people who are spiritual, people who are trying to realize something beyond themselves and therefore have these saintly qualities. And if they're respected, so he respected him, even if he didn't have the right conceptions of life yet, that dharmic principle. And from that, that association of the great devotees, then he actually understood what devotional service is and what Lord Chaitanya was trying to give. And then he, he felt remorseful, which able to him to open up his heart to, to Lord Chaitanya. And then he asked him, because he was teaching the Bhagavatam and he realized that there was something wrong in his consciousness. Acharya Purusho Veda. You understand the, the, the Vedas through the Acharya. 
Acharya means, the literal definition of Acharya means one who selects. So it's not just enough to have the book. It's just like you can go into a pharmacy. The medicines are there, but what good does it do for you? You need someone who's between the medicines and your condition that can negotiate what your condition is and then select the right medicine. That was the whole thing, how the Bhagavatam began. Buri Burini Karmani. Buri Burini Karmani. Buri means many. Buri Burini, many, many karmas. <laughs> many, many activities. For this person and that person and this person and that person and this condition and that condition. But which is for us? Which is for us? So the Bhagavatam also can be approached in, in different ways because the Bhagavatam is a strategy. It's the absolute truth, but it's a strategy. And it's for everyone. So you're the scientist, it's calculate, calculation of time from the atom. You like, you, you like military, there's the story of the kings. You, you know, you, so there's different subjects. They were all pointing to Krishna, but you could get lost in a particular subject. You could, there's a, a term and it. it's so prevalent. You have to be so careful. It's called confirmation bias. You only, you, you only like to hear the things which apparently support your own point of view. I think, what was his name? John Stuart Mill said something like, unless you hear what the other side says, you never know really what your own philosophy is. That's why this purva paksha <laughs> has to be an opposing view. You have to be challenged to actually hone and refine. That's the, I think it's the 15th chapter of the Gita. It, it, it describes discrimination is it, it, like an ax. You know, like when you hear things from different sides, discuss it from different angles. Prabhupada said, you know, the devotees should get together and discuss the points from different angles, different perspectives, because then it's, it's like an ax. You hit it from each side and it sharpens it. So it's not just enough to study the Bhagavatam. You have to study the Bhagavatam through a, a, a person who lives the Bhagavatam, who understands the Bhagavatam. Otherwise, what happens is it becomes filtered through your own conditioning. I, I just want one story. I, I remember, I remember there was a Prabhupada's appearance day or disappearance day. I stayed in Govardhan, but Bori Prabhu and, and, and Gopi Pranadana came to Pradhava. And maybe it was the appearance day, but there weren't that many people there at the time. But and there were different lectures, and one person, Prabhupada, was the, the you know, the, the, the corporate head of ISKCON. You know, then uh, Ayendra, Prabhupada was a Manjari, and this person, Prabhupada, was this, and this person, Prabhupada, was this. And, and Buri John Prabhu and, and, and Gopi Pranadha didn't have to talk, but they looked at each other and they said, are they talking about the same person? So we, we tend to filter things. And, and you, 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 you need the, 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 the person to, to teach. That's what a teacher does. So he said, now tell me about it. And, and um, how should I explain it? What should I teach? And then Lord Chaitanya began quoting from the Bhagavatam and its paraphrase. You, should ex you shouldn't explain anything but devotional service. And that's interesting because there's many subjects, but every subject is connected to devotional service. And, and it becomes very uh, uh, evident. Like there's the, you know, there's the first step of, of God realization. I think the first canto, the second canto, the universal form. And then after that, there's the super soul. And then after that, there's the demigods. And then there's, there's one ashram. And at the end of the chapter, it says, but Krishna is the super soul. 
But Krishna is the Lord of the demigods, but Krishna is. And then there's the Paribhasa Sutra. There has to be a theme verse. There has to be a theme. And the theme is that the, the, the one idea that everything else is connected to, even if they appear different. And this is one of the most important things in writing. It's, it, 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 it's focus. And I remember I, I took this course, we had the VIHE, the Dobbin Institute of Higher Education. There was no education in ISKCON then, anything formal. It was morning and evening class at best. And Buri Japrabhu, you know, the quintessential, quintessential, quintessential. I, I, not everybody realizes I feel like I'm Leo Gorsi giving class. That's what my English is like. But no one, a few people will understand this, but no one, other people understand this. Quintessential. He's the quintessential teacher. It's like it's in his DNA. It's his sarup. So you figure we should be, we should be educated. We should learn. And uh, anyway, um, anyway, so so many, so the uh, so I, I took one course, uh, straight speaking and clear thinking by Jayagreta Manch. It was a nice mixture of shastra and practical courses, and it really helped in my writing because. He gave this technique I used and about focus. And that when you write every paragraph, you have to say, so what? And you have to answer it forcibly in relationship to your theme. Because Jayad Reitamarj gave me a book he's writing on Kirtan standards. Um, and so I was looking it over, you know, like it's, it, it, and I think he, now he made some point about something else, but and good writers know this, that, that, that good writing is not what you put into what you take out. <laughs> I'm faced with that every week with more, Monday morning greetings. There's something so brilliant I'm saying, I, you know, this is so brilliant, such a genius and something, but it, damn it, it doesn't fit in and I got to cut it out and I'm good at that. I'm good at saying no, get rid of it. It doesn't fit. So that's a theme. So the theme of the Bhagavatam is Ate Chamsa Kala Pumsa Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. Many incarnations, but Bhagavan Swayam, God Himself. God Himself. Bhagavan Swayam. And what is, what is, I think when you say God himself, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speculate a little bit if someone comes later and corrects me, I don't mind. But God himself, when you're yourself, you're the most fullest. Where can, where, where can you not be yourself? When you're at the office, when you're with strangers, when you have position, you can't be yourself. So God himself, God at home, the full manifestation of God. I've made that point. Again, position covers personality. So the Supreme Personality of Godhead can't be in the Supreme Position of Godhead because it covers personality. That's the theme and everything's connected to that. And it says it right at the, at the ninth chapter, um, the, the, no, the beginning of the 10th chapter of the Bhagavatam it, it's so interesting, the, the context of the Bhagavatam and how everything fits in. And I really studied the second canto. And, um, but it was called the Bhagavatam is the answer to all questions. Because the, the, what is chapter eight? It, 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 it's questions by Marge Brickett. The Bhagavatam is the answer to all questions. And it described 10 subject matters of the Bhagavatam. Atras, Sargas, Visargas, Chas, Satir, Poshana, Bhutaya, Manvatara, Ishika, Naroda, Muktir, Ashraya. And after it describes nine subjects, it's meant 
to isolate the 10th subject. The 10th subject is Krishna, Bhagavan Swayam. And so that you don't misunderstand that. Just like in definition, there's a Sarup Lakshanam, there's a primary definition, and there's a, I forgot what it's called, the Sarup Lakshanam. So, so the Sarup Lakshanam is the essence, and the, 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 the Lakshanam helps you to hone that essence so you don't miss it. For example, the definition of pure devotional service. It's got a tatastalakshanam and a saruplakshanam. Anyabilashita shunyam jnana karma dhyanavritam anukulyena krishna nu shilanam bhakta uttama. So what's the saruplakshanam? Shilanam uttama anukulyena. You're intending to please anukulyena krishna nu shilanam with your activities, Anu, following Krishna's desire. That's the essence of bhakti. It's not renunciation. It's like we see in the story of Priyadrata to serve Krishna, he had to enjoy it. <laughs> Brahmacharya has to get married. If, it, if that's what, and that's his bhakti, then he has to do that. Not artificial renunciation. So it's, Activities intended to please Krishna. But a definition can't be too broad or it can't be too narrow. Like if you, if you, you, you define bhakti as love, <laughs> it's, it's, it's no, it's the God, which is inclusive of everything. So it's too broad. It includes things that are not bhakti. Because this person, this mother loves her child and, and, and this person loves his country and this person loves his political leader, but it's not bhakti. So it's too broad or it can be too narrow. What is bhakti? A man who has his head shaved with tilak and a woman who wears a sari and covers her head. That's bhakti. But there, there, you know, there may be great devotees with beards. <laughs> so, he, so he says, anyabilashita shunyam, that your desires have to be zero. But no, if you say that one who is devotional, no, that's okay, leave it here. There's a, no, there's a reason why I'm doing that. And I'll tell you after the class why I'm not drinking it, even though after the class. But if you say anyabilashita shunyam, it doesn't say anyabila shunyam, zero desires. Because that would have the defect of narrowing the, the it, it, it would make the definition narrow, it would include people who are executing pure devotional service who have desires. <laughs> but what kind of desires? For example, if you're in a, you're in a, you're in a, a room and there's fire and you want to save your life and you're, you're screaming to someone outside and you, you, you it, that doesn't exclude you from pure devotional service. Well, you may have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it doesn't exclude you from pure devotional service. Even if you have a nature and you, 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 you like this activity or that activity, it does. So it's anyabila shita and, and the, the prefix, says not, not free from desire, but free from desireness or free from desires that are integral with your, your inner core. In other words, free from motive, not really free from desire. So anyabilashitashin, jnana karma jnavrita. It's not just free from jnana and karma because sometimes we have to perform karmic activities. So it says jnana, karma, anabrit, not covered by, 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 by karma. What does it mean not covered by karma? When Lord Chaitanya's father died, he went and performed the ritualistic ceremonies. Did he have to perform the ritualistic ceremonies? Devarsha, Bhutapta, Ninam, 
the kinkana nai mritambrita. So we're free from all obligations when you're pure devotional serve you serve Krishna. But if he didn't go, it would be a social disturbance. So he performed karma, but it didn't cover his bhakti. Because he didn't do it with faith in the karma. He did it for a spiritual devotional reason that he shouldn't turn people off to Krishna consciousness. Or jnana. Doesn't say without jnana. It says jnana that covers bhakti. We have jnana and bhakti. Deheno smin yata dehe komaran yoganam jara tata dehantara praptir as the embodied soul passes from childhood to boyhood to youth, oh, similar time he takes another bhakti. Does it say anything about bhakti in that verse? Does it say anything about Krishna? It says, no, it says you're not the body. It says you're not the body. And Prabhupada preached, you're not the body. You're not the body. But did it cover this kind of discrimination that Prabhupada wanted, that you're not the body? Did it cover our body? No, it didn't cover it because it was used in the service of Krishna. So there are all these subject matters and they're meant to highlight and, and refine purely what Bach, but what is the essence of that book and don't get caught in the side issues. What is there? And I find this too, and I think it's disturbing. Sometimes people forget the essence of bhakti. Sometimes their scholarship gets them lost. And I'll give you, this is such an interesting example. I used to hold this scholars conference every year. And I, I, I was the founder of it, but I'm a, a, you know, a sannyasi, Iskan sannyasi. You know, I have a certain obligation and duty and I'm a Prabhupada disciple, but it's an academic conference. So I, I, you know, there's certain integrity that you have to let things. So people did different presentations and someone, you know, offered a presentation about something that gurus have to be scholars, have to be theologians. Because he was studying in the university, philosophy, Gurus have to be theologians. So he made that presentation. I was kind of, I, I, I would, they would fear me just a little bit because I would get upset sometimes if I felt it wasn't right or, or insulting, you know, some little, this was like, almost like, you know, it was almost like Prabhupada wasn't a theologian, right? Prabhupada wasn't a theologian, almost like that. And I was like, but presume this like kind of more neutral. He's kind of on his own, you know, he's like a scholar. And the one thing about a true scholar, you can't put them in an ideological box. You'll never know where they come from because it's Shastra. And Shastra is sometimes conservative. It, it, it gives it conservative means you, you, you mold your values by the past. And sometimes Shastra is liberal. It gives you scope to apply it practically according to time, place, and circumstance. But most people are ideological. They want everything changed or they want nothing changed. So you can never, and, and they become affected by their, their narrative, their drama in life informs everything. Some, some, not everybody, but sometimes. But Pradyum, it was just Shastra. I remember when we used to go to the ashram on 4th Street. You know, he, he loved the brahmacharis, brahmacharis. You know, and he, when he'd leave, he'd be chanting verses about the brahmacharis, you know, at a time perhaps where that wasn't so popular, you know, the saffron, whatever, but he would like chant verses. So at this, Pradyumna said, wait, 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 wait. He said, no, a guru does not have to be a theologian. He says he has to know some, he said, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said he has to know Sambandagyan. And, and, and what is Sambandagyan? To know very deeply and realize three tattvas, matter, spirit, and the controller of both. He knows, has to know deeply that the soul is different than the body. He has to know deeply 
that the soul is di different than God. And he has to know deeply that the soul is, that God is not material. And he said, if you look at Prabhupada's writings, that's what you'll see. <laughs> you'll see, and you can see that actually that's the whole foundation. It's called Siddho Pradesh in the Bhakti Sandarbha Sambandhagyan foundational knowledge is called Siddha Pradesh. And what does Siddha Pradesh mean? It means Upadesh, instructions that lead to perfection. And he gave the example, if there's a treasure, there's three aspects. You have to know where the treasure is. You have to know how to excavate it. And then you, know have, to, you have to value it and appreciate it. Those are the three aspects. But the first important thing is where the treasure is. The other things will come more or less more automatically. You have to know where that treasure is. So he said 80% of the Shastra is Sambandhagyan. It, 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 it's this foundational type knowledge. Anyway, so he, he's, he's instructing him. Um, while teaching, you should not explain anything other than devotional service, because that's the essence. And you'll know everything in relationship to that. You won't get sidetracked by another subject and take it out of context and say, this is what it's about. And Jiva Goswami, I told this before, he highlights that at the very end of the Bhagavatam, where one of the last instructions to Maharaj Prickett seems like Brahma Gan, and therefore you should understand you're not the body or something. It's, it, it doesn't seem to be like you, you expect it, like, you know, Manmana Bhavamad Pakto, Madhyaji Mamra. And then Jiva Goswami, so how do you understand this? And then he explains what's called classical hermeneutics. There, you, you, when you want to understand what a verse means, you have to see what's said first, what's said last, what's repeated the most times, what's said in a declarative way, and there's two other characters. It goes through the whole Bhagavatam to show, okay, this says Vanasham, but what's said at the end? Therefore, we should chant here and worship. What's said at the beginning? Therefore, we should chant here and worship. It goes through every subject in the Bhagavatam. What do all the teachers say? We should chant worship and hear Krishna. What do their students learn? We should chant here and worship Krishna. Now let's get to this verse. What's said before? We should chant here and remember Krishna. What's said after? We should chant here and Krishna. So how do we understand this in context? It's psychological. He's testing it before he is. He said, Jiva Goswami said, like, before you put a nail on the wall, you shake it and then you bang it. Otherwise, you just, you, I call it folio scholars. You pick things out of, or, you know, it's not the way you understand. Everything is contextual. In the beginning, middle, and end of Srimad Bhagavatam, devotional service to Vishnu is described as eternally perfect, inexhaustible, and infallible. It then gives the Bhagavatam verse. Devotional service to Vishnu is the only truth throughout the innumerable universes. It remains potent even during the universal devastation. Narayana awards liberation, but hides devotional service. One cannot attain devotional service without Krishna's mercy. Uttama Bhakti, without the mercy of Krishna. Because Bhagavatam glorifies devotional service, there is no literature equal to it. And that's the whole purpose of the history of the Bhagavatam. The history. And, and this is interesting. I, I, I mean, the, the, it was this presentation. I, I, I was fortunate. We, we did this retreat with Simon Haas and Gopal. I watched it again this morning, the beginning part of that presentation. I think I'll, I'll send it to you. You'll want to watch that beginning part. Yeah, I heard the whole thing. Again. No, not again. Just even That's cooking. Amazing. You were able to hear it. That's yes. right. Yeah. Fantastic. And so 
one thing he was mentioning is what this term sarut means. He said, we don't define our terms. Sometimes it, it's considered our, our siddha deha, our perfected form, but it means the nature of something. The nature of something. So he was mentioning that the nature of the soul is to serve Krishna. And he gave it a simple example, just like if you have a mango seed, the nature of that seed is a mango tree. It was a brilliant point he made, theological. Te I, I need you now, teleological, something like that. Okay. That's a little philosophical about Russian literature or something. So, so it, 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 it's the sarup, it's the nature, it's what it's meant for. So our philosophy is we're basically all receptacles of love. We're meant for energy of love. That's what our whole business is. That's the only fulfillment we can have. And that's what, according to our philosophy, that's what the whole world is about. I, I, you know, sometimes I remember used to read the Bhagavatam, there would be certain statements that were really, Prabhupada said, he, he said, you know, the, the collective false ego becomes the Mahatattva, the collective false ego. And the problem I own, the collective false ego. <laughs> and then the universe with one breath of Vishnu expands and then with one breath, and that's you know, trillions of years, billions of years. And he said, the purpose of that is to catch the truth. To and what is that truth? Jivera Sahupahoy Krishnera Nityadas were eternally servants of Krishna, which very frankly makes sense to how we see the world. Love makes the world go round. We're made for love. We're made for pure love. And we're made for the highest love, which is which is, which is love of everything. We're connected with everything. And when you love that, then you have then you then there's a relationship with that. You have the same father, then there's brotherhood. Then this connection with everything. We're meant for that. So here what it says is there's no literature equal to that because that's what it presents. And that was the whole idea of the whole history of the Bhagavatam. The Vedas are expanded. Yasadev thinks how the people can understand that he divides it into four categories because people are less qualified. So you have to kind of break it up. And then he illustrates it in story form because people are less intelligent than he thinks. I don't think they'll get it philosophically. So let me codify it into sutras. He feels the people still won't get it, but he can't understand what the hell did I do wrong? Because there's some dissatisfaction and that means something's wrong. But what did I do wrong? I, I worked so hard. I compiled all this literature and compassion to help everyone. And he went in and what was it? We, he didn't sufficiently glorify Krishna and people wouldn't get it. He, he tried to accommodate people, but he was too indirect. <laughs> they wouldn't get it. So he had to give them something that had, I, I'm, I'm gonna make this up right now, it may be wrong. It had kind of the attractiveness of the Mahabharata and the stories and the philosophical input categorized as, as, as the Vedanta Sutra, because the Bhagavatam is the commentary in the Vedanta Sutra. And it had, had to be able to give that essence. So now he, he's explaining to him, there's no literature equal to that. Because in the whole Vedas and the Vedanta Sutra, this is the commentary for the people. As the various incarnations of the Lord headed by Machi and Korma appear and disappear, the Bhagavatam, which is not composed by man, appears and disappears by its own will. So it's an eternal scripture. It appears in this world. It disappears in this world. Just as the Gita. It may come and it's like the sun. It appears and disappears, even though it's, it's always there. Um, simply by the mercy of Krishna and the devotion of Vyasadeva, Bhagavatam manifests from the tongue of Vyas. The science, the Srimad Bhagavatam, it is incom in incomprehensible as the science of the Supreme Lord. This is the statement of all scriptures. 
One who thinks I understand Srimad Bhagavatam does not know the glories of Srimad Bhagavatam. If a foolish person takes shelter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the purport of the Srimad Bhagavatam is revealed to him. Now there's a whole other subject that's, that I'll, I'll discuss the next time, which is how do you understand the Bhagavatam? You want to understand the absolute truth, you have to serve the absolute truth. Otherwise, you have no understanding of what it is. Because the absolute truth is meant to be served. So as soon as you try to enjoy the absolute truth or lord over the absolute truth, you misunderstand it. It, it just it, it it's just like in the Bhagavatam, it says when, when a inferior person tries to show his power to a superior person his own power gets diminished. Okay. My God. I'm on fire today. I'm fired up. Okay. Jumuna Jaya, just... Good morning, everybody. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Maharaj. So many, you were on fire today, so many wonderful points. But I think in a way, the thing that I most um, keyed into was the part about the writing when one has to keep saying, so what, so what? And I was thinking that's a good way to look at our speech. You know, when I'm, when I'm talking, just keeping saying, so what, so what? I was thinking very much about, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita, like the restrictions of what is speech. And it should always be uh, beneficial. I was just hearing about it yesterday. Amendra Prabhu was giving lovely lectures. So that was just really keying on to me just to keep thinking, so what in terms of my speech? If it's not pleasing, beneficial, and ultimately uplifting, then so what? It's Pajalpa, which you always says will eventually lead to offense. So I really just, that sort of really stuck in my brain this morning. Pleasing, beneficial. And what's the other one? Non-agitating. And then ultimately speaking about God, high subjects. Okay, thank you, Jamuna Jaya. Anybody else? Hey, uh, if you put this up now, I would change it for sure. Anybody else like to say hello? Share? Marish? Yeah, Akinshina, how are you go? Marish, may I ask a question? Yeah. Can you say a little more about the difference between being free from motive and being free from desire? You explained that distinction with the... Uh, the definition of pure devotional service. Right. Like motive means that you have a deep intention to be the enjoyer and controller. <laughs> that's, that's what a motivated desire is. And, and what did I say? Motivated. And what's the other term I used? Motive and desire. Yeah. Desire means it, it, it's not integral. It's not your, your, your core motive to control, enjoy the world or, 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 or to, it's just incidental with, with, with your nature. And, 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 and the, the example is given if there's a fire and, and, and some, if someone tries to save their life, right. Ah, you're not a pure devotee. <laughs> there's just certain to say, you go to the bathroom, right? Oh, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom now. Oh, you're not a devotee. <laughs> you have a personal desire to fulfill. So there's certain desires that are not integral or one, one with your core objectives in life. And those are not against pure devotional service. Mm. Go ahead. It, it seems like, I, I'm, I'm not thinking of a, of a good specific example right now, but like the great devotees can be really harsh with themselves. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just a sense enjoyer because, you know, some little sweet I took or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, so that will still be in the category of motive. That won't be like a desire that's not considered uh, unfavorable to pure devotion. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah, let's say, you know, Prabhupada liked Kachoris. <laughs> you know, you're not a pure devotee. You know, I, when I first came to Krishna consciousness, I, I had a mentor. Somehow, somehow or other, I had a lot of time and I was studying the Bhagavatam with him. And he didn't want to enjoy, so he mixed all his food together. <laughs> he, he mixed all his food together because he, you know, so it, it, it's, 
it, it, it's these are just natural desires that are born of your nature, et cetera. It's not your core motive. You know, you, you like a particular food. It's, it's, it's against pure devotional service. You know, it's, it, it's not part of your motive to enjoy and control the world. It's just part of your body and your, your kind of nature. And, you know, you know, or, or, or someone's married, you know, and they have children. <laughs> You know, they can't be a pure devotee. You know, that's what their body is. That's what their nature is. That's, you know, it doesn't mean they can't be, be but, but the, and, and that's what I thought too. And I'm really meditating. This will be my next Monday morning greetings. It's going to be called that dirty word again. And I'm going to talk about surrender. I'm going to talk about it in terms of karma, of duty and love. And, and the point I want to make is, and when I want to make that point in surrender, it's not about renunciation. It's not at all about renunciation. It's doing what Krishna wants. And sometimes Krishna wants us to enjoy. <laughs> right? Sometimes, you know, someone's falsely renounced. Like at a feast, right? We're celebrating a feast. Oh, we're not supposed to, you know, to glorify someone and, and we're not supposed to enjoy it. Everyone's supposed to like, no one's supposed to say, Haribo, Haribo. <laughs> but, you know, someone may not be a glutton. You know, they may take what they need to keep the, well, and that verse, Kamesanendriya Prita Labo Jiveti Abhita. What about Sanskrit? Take what you need. That's part of bhakti. You take what you need. And, and therefore, a lot of times the difference in, in a vanashram society between a devotee and a non-devotee is not what they're doing. It's what their motive is. Because <laughs> then my grihasta, one have children, I have children, one works. One, they put, but what is your motive? I want to please Krishna and my goal is this. Hmm. Okay, we, we can talk about it more, even personally, but um, I'll, I'll talk to you uh, maybe in about 15, 20 minutes after that conversation, my conversation with not, after that presentation, my conversation with Nam Ras. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he appreciated Sundar Gopal, that presentation. It was very powerful. I watched part of it. It got very late here. You said that you were able to watch the, uh, like there's a recording of it somewhere. I can listen I, to I, it again. I, I will send it to you. I'll call you in about maybe 20 minutes because I'll discuss it. It's very interesting. Thank you, okay. Marsh. Anybody else like to say hello? Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Can I get put on that list? I mean, I did see the whole thing, but can yeah, I, I get I'll, that? I'll, I'll, throw, I'll give it to you, too. Okay. okay, and then also just following up real quick on the Krishna's question, and I mean, I, too, can't think of a good example right now, but th those pure devotees who, you know, get down on themselves because they enjoyed some some sweet wouldn't that be their just their humility because they i mean obviously they they know the difference between desire and motive you know so because since they know that wouldn't it be their that, that's our our, our our criteria for for judging it you know intellectually but how a person feels oh yeah yeah. Is, is so much different sometimes. But but mm -hmm. Rupa Goswami had to make definitions. He was great at making these these definitions that so we actually know what the different categories are. And you have to understand also that very advanced devotees can move between the head and the heart. Because th there's a certain level of discrimination that's required even to be a teacher. That's Madhyamadakari. But the Uttamadakari said he's seeing Krishna. Everyone is serving Krishna better than him. So how can he, then how can Prabhupada do that 
from that platform, everyone's served, but he felt that way. And often he expressed that way, but he had to come down to the, to the, the discriminatory level of, of intellect and Madhyam Adhikari to actually do his service and see this is a disciple he's doing wrong. So there's, there's this movement between head and heart, whichever, you know, I think they'd rather stay at the platform of heart, but for service, you have to make discrimination. Okay. Oh, yeah, thank you, Maharaj. Anybody else like to say hello? Hare Krishna Gumaraj, Tota Gopinath here. Kishore Radha and Okay, Priya. good, good. We'll see you next week. Haribo. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Bhakti Devi, nice to see you. You can put me on that list also, please. I will. Oh, okay. yeah. You're a big Simon Haas fan. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. He was brilliant. Anybody else? Hey, Christian Garage. Welcome, Linda. Thank you for class. Thank you for class. Okay. Howdy, Bo. Hey, Bo. <laughs> if I could get put on that list too, Marge. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? I appreciate it. Yeah. I okay. This Gloria. Gloria, hi, Bo. Good. Thank you for class. Thank you, thank you, hi, Bo. Thank you for class. <laughs> okay, anybody else? Hare Krishna Maharaj, this is Malati. Malati, hi, Bo. Hi, Bo. Thank you for class. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Oh, great, great. Okay, I think I'm gonna go now because it's already past nine. I gotta do a few things. So if you didn't say hello, I'm looking at the list of all the nice people who came. I see everybody, Haribo. <laughs>